past 50 years have seen dynamic shifts in societal attitudes toward female autonomy, divorce, reproductive rights, and the definition of marriage. Along with it, more and more people are making the conscious choice to live their lives child-free. We're here to unpack the complexities of this life choice and say the things that we can't say anywhere else. Greetings, and welcome to another episode of Not Just Sleeping In. I'm Tiger. And I'm Lee, and each week we gather in our secret child-free compounds and discuss all the things about this pretty crucial life choice that we've made. This week, can you even see the Pieta if you didn't have children? Uh, A recent tweet opens the door uh, for us to dive into misconceptions about our perceived inferiority because we don't understand the mysteries of parental love and how that's kind of bullshit. Um, But first, Tiger, how we doing? Post those numbers. What's going on? Ugh, only 9 a.m. I've been trying to like actually get up and do things, and it's sadly working. <laughs> so so responsible. Yeah, I know. I've had some late ones, I think, recently that I, I definitely have the fear of, like, oh, God, the morning. And it's it, I've, I've, I've dialed it back a little bit. 9 a.m. Uh, fell asleep on the couch watch, at, watching WandaVision after oh, WandaVision. Nice. What a delight. What a good time. I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. It's, uh, you know, it's good. It's good. All right. All I'll right. leave it at that. It's good. Um, but yeah, so I was, you know, in an attempt to find us interesting things to talk about just out there in the world on the internets. Uh, and there was a tweet. Uh, I don't know how many of you all saw this, dear listeners, by uh, an art historian, uh, Dr. Catherine Schofield, <laughs> that uh, made the rounds recently. She posted a photo of Michelangelo's Pieta. Again, as you probably know, it is, it is, oh, it is the wounded body of Christ in the arms of, of Mary. Um, and then stated, uh, you don't get Michelangelo's Pieta until you have a child, and then you can't bear to look at it. Um, oh, my. What a terrible take this was. And um, from the delicious child-free corners of the Internet, we, we bandied together to soundly... The comments, I, dear listener, if you can stomach the initial tweet, go through and just scroll through the fantastic deconstruction of this person's bad take uh, through all manner of delightful takedowns and uh, very well-natured ribbing, uh, most of which start by pointing out the fact that, hey, Michelangelo was child-free. No kids for that guy. Whether yeah. he was celibate, maybe he was queer, we don't really know. But, like, a lot of a lot of the comments were... Uh, Michelangelo blindly stabbing at a block of marble being like, I don't know what this is, but it might be great. Just like, just eyes closed. Not quite sure what I'm getting at here. Um, others, uh, (laughs) expanded that logic to other pieces of art, uh, including some, uh, like Warhol's can of soup. Like, can you really under, I couldn't understand the can of soup until I was a can of soup, you know, like until I became a can of soup. Um, but yeah, what an absolute! <laughs> I'm sorry, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at like the artwork on my walls, and one of them is literally an original SpongeBob drawing. <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't fully appreciate this. I've never lived in a pineapple under, under the, the sea. sea. Yeah, how can you do it? <laughs> um... I am neither absorbent nor porous. <laughs> Sometimes I'm yellow though because I drink too much. Oh oh. <laughs> But yeah, please just spend, if you ever wondered, if you ever, as we occasionally have talked about, felt alone in our child-free existence, um, 
we really well done everyone we came to the plate for this one and again uh no one was overly mean like no. which was something that was nice but just like really pointed out how absolutely ludicrous it was and then some people had there were some really nice people who came and talked about what the pieta meant to them and going to see it in rome and whether that like that trip was tied to an important moment in their life or how just gorgeous it is on its own or just the pathos of the whole thing and how it's still just like, yeah, I, uh, this is dumb and I'm still a human. Um, yeah. I get it. I get it. But there's this idea, right? Like it's a, it's, but it's, it's like a, it's like a coffee mug idea. Yes. All, all joking aside, there yeah. is this very real and very frustrating sentiment that yeah. uh, you don't know real love until you've held a baby in your arms. But not like any baby, like, but not your baby. But that, those, all those other babies that you held, those don't count. It's got to be say, yours. I've held a lot of babies and felt a lot of warmth. Yeah. Uh, some of them were related to me and sure. it does feel great. Uh, but, but I've also, I've loved a lot in my life. Yeah. I've, um, we're, I'm, I'm like round in the corner on the halfway point. Like, and I feel like I got a pretty good sense of like what's going on. So... So Tiger, like, what, what, where does this, like, where does this idea come from? Because again, I think a lot of people think it's a very old idea. That's not really. It's really not. It's really not. (laughs) Um, People, people used to just poop out kids to work the fields left and right. Yeah. It wasn't about love. It was about economy. And, and a workforce. Or a legacy. Because we've both referenced this book a lot. But Marriage History was explains kind of this idea of when children and the family, the nuclear family, became the central tenant of life, right? And it, it's actually like within what, like the last century, if that? Yeah, it's on the broad side, it's, it starts to veer away like about yeah. 200 years ago. Right. Where different domesticity movements come in and really start to. And, you know, and I think we've mentioned this. And so did like bowling laws. (laughs) It was really like stop going out to taverns and maybe be better husbands. Yeah. But also women. Yeah. Women, just because like your kids aren't dying all the time and stuff, like doesn't mean you get to leave them to do the chores and have like freedom and shit or whatever. I don't know. But yes, yeah. yes. It's it's mostly just about getting people back home and to stop being naughty and sinful. <laughs> yeah. And like and and like weirdly it's like know your place in life and we're going to again kind of dangle this in the same way that like so much of of traditional religion is based on this idea of like struggle through this life to the next one. It's so much I think is like your reward is later is that like this promise of like the the joy and fulfillment of like you can unlock some secret of the universe by participating in this yeah. thing when really we really just culturally really just need you to like help pay for social security yeah. later <laughs> you know in some ways um so tiger where did you where do you feel like you really first came across this idea that you remember um this is a tough one for me cuz i don't yeah I feel like it was definitely more in the media than in my own home. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to, like, the first time. I don't know, but it's definitely become... 
or notable times that it's really jumped out at you where you felt like either someone has really pointed it out to you that you are missing or lacking in some way, or you just were confronted with the idea? I think when I first started, like in my early 20s, it kind of sprung up because I worked for someone who had her first children. And mommying Mm -hmm. was such a competitive sport of like who can show the most love. And like so many of these women were married or had partners or whatever. And like the minute the kid was born, you never heard about these dudes again. Like they got the jizz and it was like, (laughs) what? It was, it was like the wildest thing. Like marriages would take a backseat, everything. It was just like all about these kids and all about like finding tangible material ways to like prove your love and to show that like you were the best. Right. And, and I think, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of where it started, but she, this particular person was definitely someone who like played into that narrative. And I don't, I feel bad questioning the sincerity of it. But I do think that there's something performative about like, oh, I never knew real love until I met this critter. And like for sure, like having a kid is a transformative experience. I don't want to say that it's not. But it, no one ever asks the kids like. Right. It's a two way street. <laughs> hey, you want to you want to you want to review how because uh, because mom's really making it sound like she's doing a red banner job here. Uh, let's yeah. the, how are you but how what are you a, feeling young Bobby? But what about yeah <laughs> what about you where did you first encounter this idea because it's I mean I feel like it um I feel like a lot of it was uh again as we've talked about uh and I apologize to our lovely uh, diverse listeners from a variety of backgrounds was like evangelical again we talk about the big culture of the church growing up um really into like the t-shirts like the, you know, bad dad, you know, and like, uh, you know, I remember really hating Mother's and Father's Day sermons because I really felt like they weren't, as someone who was at church for like the deep esoteric mysteries of the universe, it just felt like a little bit of a wank fest. Like it was a little bit of just like a very like, aren't you great? Aren't you special? And like, I always felt about like, what about the people who had either lost children or, you know, like, I love that Twitter has kind of embraced the, like, hey, sometimes Mother's Mother's Day might be a nightmare for someone, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, yeah, sure, it's a good day to, like, venerate those people because I think if you look at the time period, again, it's early, very early 20th century. Uh, so, yeah, let's, let's maybe uh, acknowledge domestic work and emotional labor. That's great, but I think that, you know, uh, at some point it gets venerated in this kind of crazy way. And I remember um, in the 90s, my dad became part of this thing called Promise Keepers. And oh, I don't, my dad was a, yeah. He was, he was in that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, which, if you don't know, dear listeners, it was essentially a bunch of boomer dudes, uh, Christian boomer dudes, uh, went to stadiums to yell at each other and cry it out instead of going to therapy. So yeah. um, it, was, it was really kind of almost a fast food uh, commodification of doing emotional work on yourself <laughs> through like books and tapes and going to stadiums and crying. Like, um, yeah. Again, All did, punctuated of course with like a big no homo. Yeah. But like, yeah, but definitely like, but definitely like no homo. Um, yeah. did I get more hugs as a kid? Great. Did my dad actually say that he was proud of me sometimes? Sure. 
so again, I reap some of the benefits of it, but like it definitely um, was really couched in this idea that that like this is the best and most noble thing that you could ever do. And like, good for you, buddy, for taking on this noble mantle, uh, you know, and I think that to, to help them as opposed to like all going to therapy uh, from their emotionally distant, you know, World War Two and Korean veteran fathers um, to like figure themselves out. They had to be like given this this kind of over validation like that you you've got an access to some sort of greater love and again, like, what a nightmare. Like, uh, like there's so much bad that comes from taking this to the extreme. I think that we've seen when you see usually conservative pundits say, well, I have a daughter. And it's just like, were you not a person before that? Did you not also, understand? Who gave you that daughter? Like, what about the woman? What about that, her? Yeah. That was, okay, so that's just, let me just, like, stand my dad for a second and yeah. my mom. Their whole philosophy has always been, and they were very clear with us about this, we're each other's number one priority. As a team, we want to raise you guys, but, like, we fully expect you to, like, be independent adults someday, and then we're going to be stuck with each other, and we don't want it to be stuck with. We want to like each other. And so my parents were very focused on their marriage was the most important thing, you know? Like, yeah. My parents really like each other. They've been married a really long time, and they're cute, um, which is nice. Like, it, it also freed me up. As it, it took a lot of pressure off as a kid. Like, they were good to me, and I knew yeah. that, like, my loving home was on a really secure foundation that wasn't dependent on my performance sure. as a reciprocal <laughs> loving child, which made it a lot easier to actually like them. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I was, I was very fortunate in that regard, and I don't quite know where that – comes from but i'm glad because that sounds because it is like i think this idea that because yeah, no one talks to the freaking kids like do they like being the <laughs> focus of their that sounds really stressful like honestly was it stressful yeah like yeah uh, <laughs> yeah you know it's like get a life parents <laughs> i'm sorry that's hilarious um but no i i I think at the same time, we saw like an unprecedented level of kind of like we made some laws around free legal divorce. A lot of people just finally said, oh, we jumped into this like way too soon. Like, you know what I mean? Like we should we should. Yeah, this was uh, maybe not thought the whole way out or, you know, and then that becomes a whole thing because then it becomes you've got competition, you know, and like yeah. who loves best and how is that monetarily you know provide or shown or yeah yeah i think there's also there's also that kind of weird push and there always is kind of that weird push for the stay-at-home mom or the return to domesticity right so it's like do you really love your child are you spending all of your time (laughs) at home with them yeah and again i think that there's you know look at it examine it and see who's trying to keep you at one kind of particular place doing one particular thing and who benefit, you know, qui bono, like who benefits from that on like a cultural level, you know? And as we have, you know, people have found ways of like, well, I don't have to stay in my hometown. 
I don't have to necessarily stay in the religious organization I grew up. This is still, I think, this one of those cultural ideas that gets forced and 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 um, reinforced over and over again because I think that there is those weird scares of like, oh no, we're gonna run out of babies. Like we're never gonna run out of babies. Like, yeah. so don't you think too? Sometimes it's used to discredit unconventional. I mean, it is used to discredit people with non-conforming lifestyles sure like gay people can't biologically reproduce so like can they really love their kid as much are they even capable of having a loving home yes yes they they are are. but like you know there's (laughs) there's this whole idea that by creating this in group these people that can experience love and this emotional depth you have the out group of people that are that don't and maybe stunted in some way and too often those are people on the outskirts of things or that are, you know, not in the mainstream. So it ends up and not even really, and so much of this stuff isn't necessarily practically applied in the lives of people as you talk to parents and children, but it just ends up on t-shirts, right? It ends up on coffee mugs. Um, Just in doing research for this, I saw this um, Dr. T.P. Chaya quote that was literally available on any surface you wanted to print it on, you could get this from a motivational poster of people standing on the beach holding hands to every manner of mug and T-shirt. Uh, and it really just grated at me because it says parental love is the only love that is truly selfless, unconditional and forgiving. And it's just like, woof um, that I can't even like that's that's a Pieta level. Like, let's if we could just pick that up, like we could pick that apart for hours. Like, do you want to? No. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but the funny thing, though, is the weird thing for me about it. And again, it falls into a lot of these. We talked very recently in the in the religion episode about these parental archetypes in religion. But like, that's the promise. That's like the Jesus promise. Right. Like only God is capable of that. And we are very not capable of that. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, unless you're a parent, like unless you did this thing by accident or randomly that almost every does. The hubris, the selflessness of taking care of your own DNA. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Waka, waka. So I think that we can all kind of see as, uh, and I think that we're uniquely positioned to say uh, that this is kind of nuts in a variety of ways, you know, and like yes. I can see, I can see the Pieta. I can draw meaning from it, and uh, it's beautiful. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's like... and we aren't lacking in our understanding of love or society. And if anything, I think that we can offer different insights. I think that's kind of yeah. one of like what we're, we're setting out to do maybe with the podcast. I mean, look back at the uh, childhood is a horror show episode, which I think we're going to go back and revisit and, and pick that apart even more. But like th- that, like because we haven't been thrust through this kind of forced path into what is conceived as the, the only possible next stage of life that we can actually kind of pick some of this stuff apart and look at it. Um yeah. And so I have a couple little things that I picked out here. Tiger, if you got any more, like throw them out. But I think that the first one, and we've kind of mentioned this, is like parental love is profoundly transactional and profoundly obligatory. It is one of the few things that that I think, weirdly, 
is one of the few things left that is very obligatory. Like you don't have to stay in your hometown. You don't have to do what your parents did for work. You don't have to whatever, but there's still this very strong idea. And again, so much of our ideas of, of like, if you're opting out and we should in obviously should improve people's access to these things, but like the opt out for this is like very early. It's usually at like, before, like, you know, sperm hits egg or like before, like uh, fetus is, you know, birthed or like when it's still a potato that, scre- that screams and craps. Like yeah. there's not a can you imagine if there was just like a buyback program at age five? No, like- I forget which state. I can't remember if it was like Oregon if it was like Oregon or Idaho, like one of those lawless states with like a lot of like gun people in the woods, they straight up, they straight up made it either. They didn't have the law on the books or they changed the law so that people could drop their kids off at a fire station. Like no questions asked, you know, like those safe haven rules that they have for, for unintended pregnancies and stuff. They set that up and someone, it didn't have an age cap or it was like 10. Someone (laughs) dropped a seven-year-old and a four-year-old off of the fire station. And it's like, it's like kind of, it's like funny, but it's also when you think about that, like these are real children that were like literally abandoned. And it's just, yes, it's, it's obligatory. And it, then you realize when something like this happens, why it kind of has to be. Yeah. Right. Like the foster system is super traumatic. The being abandoned by your freaking parents at a fire station is super traumatic. Right. And, and yes, it is, it's, it, it's obligatory because it has to be, it's, it's, it is, it's transactional and like, yeah, it, that's okay. And that's a good thing. You know, we kind of touched on that in the pets episode too, right? Like there's this certain obligatory, not to compare kids to pets, but like to kind of provide a maybe more simple example to wrap our brains around. Yeah. Like you, you get a pet, and you're responsible for it. You have a baby, and that is a lifetime commitment. Like, that's not a joke. It becomes a person that you have to care for. It's yeah. So, like, yeah, there's love there because it makes things easier. But sometimes there's only love there because it makes things easier. Right. And that's okay. That's yeah. no shame. Yeah, but it's like if, if you were to make that same deal about, like, removed from the context, but, like, just just the deal, right? Just the, like the care and maintenance and cost and tried to write that on paper and make it about a car or a house or a job that you had to do. I think very few people would like willingly sign up on that deal. So yeah, we have to, but then to, to say that like, because you willingly or just like, I don't know, it's the thing you do. Like, I think people sign that contract without like really reading. It's like your Apple phone, right? You just like scroll yeah. to the bottom and hit accept. And then like, but but somehow that's like the the truest, most noble form of it. When literally it's just like, you, yeah. Like it is it's one of the biology. few things left that like, don't, please don't throw that into a trash bin or the river. Like yeah. you have to take care of that. Yeah. And so it's like, but that's the deal. And it should have in some ways always been the deal. <laughs> yeah. So like why it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't inherently make it the, the truest form of love or affection. And no, it's, it's agreeing to welcome a stranger into your home with all these caveats and obligations. Yeah. And I think that, that to that point, like most child free people 
like who, who like yeah there there's some misanthrope among us but most of us are very conscientious and good-hearted people who read that contract did that math and for whatever reason we decided uh said that like i don't want to take part in that thank you very much like yeah. i Which don't is also kind of an act of love when yeah. you think of what you're sparing someone in my case like no yeah. one wants me as a mom my little my little like unfertilized half cells in my ovaries there I, I love them and I didn't put them through that they get yeah. to go on their way as period yeah and like which usually <laughs> involves sex in my case <laughs> gotta just yeah. <laughs> Oh, dear listener, if you could have seen the the dab that accompanied that. Oh, my God. What a delight. What an absolute delight. Um, so, yeah. And I think but but I baked in that is the idea. I think that uh, that a lot of us uh, is that it's a very good and noble idea that we have that I think we want children to be instruments of love and not some sort of weird proof of it. I love like, that. We want it to, <laughs> That's like yeah. such a beautiful way of saying it yes yeah like we want people to fully reconcile the idea of societal norms and obligations and really decide to and not cavalierly make this decision but have like all the opportunities in the world to opt in or opt out to really take time to consider yourself and your life and say Hey, um, I think I want to do this. I have, look, I have a dear friend of mine who got married a little bit later in life and he and his wife fast tracked it straight to baby town. Cause like they had, they dated for a while and they just had the newborn. You know, we took some food over there recently and he is just like, he's so happy to put that hat on and he's doing his little daddy dance and I couldn't be happier for them. But, like, great, that kid's in an idea. I mean, hopefully he understands it's not just, like, a role that you take on. It's not just, like, scripted lines that you perform. But it's a unique and special thing with his, that particular little, you know, potato he's raising. But he couldn't be happier. And I'm like, there it is. That's the version of it that I want to happen in the world. And 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 I think that's a, a, a very well-thought-out position that we have. And I think that that is actually full of great compassion and deep abiding love for everyone yeah. and for all of society. Um, and you said that uh, the you really enjoyed the uh, instruments of love, but not proof of it. That comes from an article, really great article that I read for this episode. Uh, we'll put the link up to it. Uh, Maria Rose um, in Medium, uh, the child-free life hyphen uh, and what it reveals about love. Because again, all of these articles, so much extra punctuation them. I love every one of them. Um, but has a really great point um, about kind of what helps to kind of inform some people's decision to be child free. And it says, um, in many cases, we're haunted by the love starved ghosts of our parents, mothers and fathers who idea of love was irrevocably twisted. Um, they were people who gave birth to many of us because of per- uh, because our purpose was to care for them. As children, our purpose was to give them purpose. As children, we were made so they could never feel the specter of aloneness, face the fear of an empty room, never wake up and realize they might have to forge a life with no one at the helm but them. Uh, They did not want love. They needed it. 
they drafted it into service and then held it hostage. And that whole like thing is just like, whoa. Uh, and yeah, it's saying that like, I know there's, there's, it's, it's a terrible trope, but the kind of like the teenage, we had a gal in my high school who had a kid and kept saying like, I just want something to love. I just want something to love. And <laughs> yikes, like, whoa. Like, again, if you flip the transactional part of that, uh, and again, most kids are either they're little drooly potatoes or they're still coming into their own concept of self. But like, that's not a great deal as far as a relationship is concerned. No. That's very shaky ground to build a relationship. Like, no, that's that's insane. Like, I and it doesn't lend itself to like a great relationship once that kid is grown. And I think maybe yeah. that's like coming back to my parents, I guess, just because I think they are a really good example of this and I'm kind of proud of them. Like that's why their parents had them kind of, they were both like Mm -hmm. one in a large family and they realized they did not want that for us. So they like each other more than us. And now it's way easier as adults to like them and choose to hang out with them when it is our choice. Like, yeah, there was that obligation that they take care of us but they also took it seriously and got to know us and, you know, taught us to be good yeah. humans that were worth love, not worth loving. That makes it sound more transactional, but, you know, taught us to be good humans. And now we all like each other and love each other because, yeah, because there's that acknowledgement of autonomy. <laughs> like I wasn't sure. born because my parents were like lonely or checking a yeah. box, you know, they, yeah, they wanted me. I guess. Yeah. And <laughs> maybe not me specifically. That's why they had two more. I don't know. <laughs> and the thing is like, you know, it, it, <laughs> yeah, they were like, Oh, it's every, uh, maybe not. <laughs> like, uh, let's have a couple other ones. Uh, no, but the idea that like a lot of times people will say in criticism of things of like, Oh, well like you and like the whole Pieta of it all, right? Like you don't understand what it is to be an astronaut because you've never been to space. Sure. You don't know what it is to be in the military because you've never served. Like th- this one gets roped in there too, but I think that the the part of it that is unspoken in a lot of that is I may have not been on that other side of that relationship, but I've been in the relationship. Thank you. Like that's, that's the idea is like, I've like for, for better or worse and for levels of involvement. And I know that, that parenthood as like a, as a child can come in many forms in many different ways, but it's like, no, I, I was there like, you know, like this was not a a thing that you nobly endeavored with on your own. And like, I have, we all as, as children have our own part to play in that, but it's just like, this was a two way relationship here. And to think that like your part of it is somehow venerated above any of the other bits of it is just kind of silly. Like it's a little crazy. Like once again, uh, the hubris. Like, yeah. It's, and it's just, Woof. I think too, it's just this idea that anything I love is somehow less than this transactional relationship you created to fulfill some need is so yeah. arrogant and it's so upsetting. Right. And, and this idea, yeah, I, I think there's just that implication too like with the Pieta, that as child-free people were somehow less capable of empathy. 
it's it's just sickening, right? Like, yeah. not only did these people who feel this way, whether poop out a kid to fulfill some deep internal need, they yeah. go around insulting people who had the good sense not to do that. That's horrible. For whatever reason. That just makes... Yeah. It, sure, I don't want to feel love like they do, because love like that is bullshit. Yeah. And it <laughs> takes away from, I think... It, one of the things that I think a lot of the child-free people I know, and again, like, you're allowed to be child-free and be a hermit in the woods and not care about any of this stuff, but I think a lot of the child-free folks that I talk with are very civically minded. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, some part of that is, like, yeah, it takes a lot of time and obligation and energy, and, like, but also there's a bunch of people who are already here, um, and there's a society that we live in, a city that we live in, people that we are around that that we should make all of that responsible to and it's really funny that you can kind of even going back to like marriage of history again you can see the decline of there's a lot of this very kind of the the same forefathers that that certain people love to really venerate for whatever reason that that late 18th century thought that really had us like ready to tear a bunch of stuff down and rebuild a bunch of new stuff Got us almost to, like, I, I think it was, what, New Jersey, like, gave women the right to vote, like, as soon as they had statehood. They're like, women, get to vote! Yeah. And it was just, and then all of a sudden everyone's like, whoa, slow down. <laughs> like, we, there was a movement there to really shake a bunch of stuff up. And then through, like, 19th century p- pushes towards domesticity, a lot of folks, sure, they weren't at the alehouse all night, but a lot of folks left civic or- organizations, left, you know, the, the things like you know, unions and other organizations that were trying to make communities better, all of a sudden we were told that the focus was to be the home. The best thing you could do is not to make your community a better place, but is really make that home a better place. And if all the homes are good, then the community is good, which is not inherently, like, there's, like, a whole lot of bad there. Yeah. And again, it's trying to, like, force people into a certain kind of controllable life script. Yeah. But like, uh, you know, like, what? A, like, let's just get to like a, a livable minimum wage and like social programs that work. Yeah, you know, like is that. Like, and is that also not an act of love? Because right. it, once again, you're taking a look at a stranger, which is what a baby is. But you're taking a look at a stranger or a group of strangers and saying, "Hey, I want to do something for you," and. I just don't see how that doesn't count for something. Yeah. You know, because you're right. It's like we have the time and the space in our hearts and in our lives to give of ourselves in a way that is exemplary of that exempt in a way that exemplifies what I think of when I think of love. Yeah. Or and like, even if that's, you know, in friend groups, if that's being there for those, uh, friends that need being there for those uh in the workplace like i i try to pride myself and and being um a boss that cares very much about the people under my employ um on a personal level and on a growth level and wants to see them find their path to see them find their success and you know i 
we're happy to do this when it's like what teachers because again i think we're applying it to children right like we're just like that's like a low-key the same thing do it to teachers like that's right but it's it's not it's it's, there's lip service paid but these parents don't so many parents view teachers as glorified child care which is i mean this is like a whole other tangent but yes yes we don't there's lip service paid to civic mindedness and especially when it comes to people that touch the lives of children but Again, there's very little actual activity done to make those lives better. Yeah. At the expense of what? Like, well, if I give too much up, like, my home situation, like, oh, I can't take care of these these kids that I have to raise. So like, you've that's got too a much. wealthy, dumb potato now. Good job. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Tiger, <laughs> any other thoughts? Any other feelings? <laughs> I feel like I have a lot, but they'll just take me on another tangent. Uh, I would like to just end this on a positive note, though. Like, what are things, what are things that you love in your life, Lee? And how did like that yeah. allow you to have a richer perspective? Because I think that those things should be celebrated, and I think we should celebrate them at the end after just railing against this and prove this Pieta lady, Doctor Pieta lady, wrong. What do you um, What do you love so much that it it makes the world more vibrant for you. I have, uh, I am lucky enough to have a fantastic group of very dear friends. Um, you know, occasionally we tie one or two of them up to the wall, but, uh, you know, um, we just celebrated, um, uh, a weird annual holiday, like an art house holiday, weirdly tied to art. Right. So let's bring this back to the Pieta and to art, um, as a bunch of like, you know, mid 2000s post-college kids decided to make like an absurdist holiday. Uh, and we just celebrated it. We did it all on Zoom. Um, but a weird, wonderful community of artists and musicians. And we now have like a 20 year legacy of usually it ends up in a big dance party that started in houses and moved to warehouses. And then, uh, but there's always puppets and costumes and this year we all did it on video and uh, it's just a very weird for that, for that idea that we're talking about of like, if we don't have traditional communities, if we don't have necessarily people, uh, how do we find meaning? And the, the, the idea is sometimes you make it your goddamn self. Uh, and so we just made the weirdest two hour zoom the other weekend of just, you know, we couldn't be there to like do weird performance art pieces in person. So we all did them digitally and uh, it was really just we, we do it in the beginning of the year and it always kind of sets the creative tone for the kind of the other endeavors the rest of the year. And it was a really nice thing that uh, we all rallied together to make sure it happened, even under these weird circumstances. And I looked it was a great opportunity to look back over like, you know, 15 years of that. I have a tattoo commemorating this yeah. like it's really silly and important to me. Uh, but it was a nice reminder, even in the quarantine, of just kind of the value of friendship and the value of like a group of people committing to something, even if it's something patently ridiculous. Yeah, that's beautiful. What about you, Tiger? What's doing it for you? Oh, man. So, oh, I like asked this question and then I didn't even have a great answer or a profound <laughs> answer. No, I, uh, I... I'm going to be really lame. Like, I really love my husband, like, so much, right? Mm. And I know that is cheesy and kind of basic, but I truly didn't... 
I don't know, like, he just brightened up my life so much. I'd been in other relationships, and I thought, and, and, you know, I love a lot of people kind of at this baseline level, but when I met him, he just threw my world upside down, and he continues to make it this wild-ass adventure that I never in a million years would have expected, but I love every second of it, you know? And, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, we're buying a farm together. That's yeah. weird, right? Like These are, like, big life dreams. Like, you're, you're ringing bells, like, like... You've set up for like big, giant tiger-shaped life dreams, yeah. And you're actively achieving them at a at a level and a rate that is admirable and wonderful. But it's not it's not uh, about the achievement, right? It's like I met him, and it made me realize that my silly dreams could be real. You know, like he blew up my life, yeah. and it's the best. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get flowers and bees and a life full of like cute animals and crafts and nature that I've always wanted with someone who gets like, who's right there with me, you know? And yeah, I never in a million years would have predicted that for myself. Not for any particular reason. I just, I didn't know it was possible. Kind of yeah. like some people maybe don't get great marble statues until they pooped out a kid. I didn't see my own value fully until i found someone else who helped me get there yeah you know and hey guess what like you guys have it you've 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 are on a similar life path enough that you guys get to stay fully committed to each other yeah like and i'm really excited because it's an active choice and it's there's a a mutual it's, it's mutual right no no one is obligated to the other it's we get to hold hands and dive into this together and yeah it's cool it's exciting and it's a little cheesy and I'm okay with that. And it should be like, and it, and it never has to fundamentally change in drastic ways. Like what a delightful, yeah. <laughs> like what a delight. Yeah. Um, oh, how exciting. So gang, uh, do you possess the ability to look at art? <laughs> Is it alive? Can you do it? Um, what art have you seen? Um, no, but seriously, whether, <laughs> So many snorts. It delights me profoundly, and each and every one of them is staying in. (laughs) I think I've got it back together now. But no, dear child-free friends from your secret compounds, uh, what unique insights do we have about love, do you think? What are we uh, particularly... uh, uniquely positioned to see uh what are other great pieces of art that you would like to look at long enough that you become them hopefully not the screamer um, but again uh child free twitter army thank you for uh delighting me endlessly with your takes uh but yeah why don't why not direct them directly at us though uh questions at not just sleeping in.com uh we're all over those socials um instagram facebook some really lovely Instagram messages uh, recently. Uh, but yeah, we'd love to give us enough that we can just sit here and do a mailbag episode and just talk about how wonderful you all are. How wonderful you are and your taste in art is. And also tell us what you love. If you want to get a little sincere and squishy like we did at the end, that's fine too. But I, I prefer, do you like art or do you look at art? <laughs> are you capable? Are you able to look at art? Do you have eyes? <laughs> And if you don't, look, there's music. Like, there's ways to figure that out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my God. Tiger, I love you. 
Dear listener, I love, I love the rest too. of you all. Uh, how about this? We're, we're mixing it up. Whoa, Until next week, I'm, I'm Lee. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I'm Tiger. Spread love. Look at art and live your damn truth. And of course, have fun Have sleeping. fun sleeping in. <laughs> my favorite. This is my absolute favorite. Goodbye.